Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. Buddy, there you go. A little 80s metal. Number of the Beast from Iron Maiden from the album of the same title. 1982, of course. And I picked that knowing that it wouldn't be you know quite in your wheelhouse not exactly your favorite genre of music but we are in and around the halloween holiday here so i thought it fit there and we seem to have an extraordinary number of people in this country both on the right and on the left that have become conspiracy theorists right that are on the lookout behind every tree is you know a liberal if you happen to be a conservative or a conservative if you happen to be a liberal and so i thought the whole thing was just fitting well look brad i think that's i think that's right i think i, I had anticipated monster mash or something a little more appropriate but listen you know any port in a storm so to speak uh, iron maiden great uh, rock band from the uh, 80s and beyond and i do remember i do believe you and i attended at least three monsters of rock concerts where we jumped the fence and rushed the stage. Oh, that was yeah, no, at least at least three times. That was back in our we could go shirtless without embarrassment days. And uh, I remember it well. And and so now we're effectively in we can go shirtless and not care days. Yeah, that which is an even better place to be. So you've got the we could go shirtless and not be embarrassed. We could go shirtless and be mortified, period. And now we've sailed out of that into the we could go shirtless and wear plaid pants and not care not care phase of life and that my friend is where you want to be well brad very exciting we want to first thank everyone for joining us here on ip frequently david pridham and uh, l bradley sheaf here for your uh, entertainment pleasure for the next hour or so um and we're very excited this week and what we're going to do this week is we're going to do a little bit brad of what i like to call a grab bag i mean you know what a grab oh. bag is correct uh, well, you want to be careful how you construe that. We're not grabbing any older ladies here. This is that kind of 1970s version where you have this sort of theoretical bag in which there are any number of a variety of things and you reach in without looking and you pull something out. And listen, listen, there's a lot of stuff in this bag. Okay. It's not, we're not, we're not limiting ourselves to, uh, the, 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 uh, president of the United States and his tax plan. We're not limiting ourselves to, uh, the Virginia governor's race or to inflation or to the Facebook thing we are just going to, you and I are just going to blindfold each other, reach into this bag and pull out whatever comes first. So let's go ahead. Let's spin the uh, old bag, shake it around, um, and, uh, Brad, do you want to do the honors or should I, uh, I will reach in. Hang on just a second here. I got to find the opening with this zipper and zip that elbow deep. Remember elbow deep. Brad. On. All right. Yeah. Elbow deep. Ooh, there's a lot of mass in here, buddy. It doesn't feel uh, here. All right. Here's a hand, hand that over to me. Hand All that right. You here. Well, stick again, your hand out for the, thank you. All right, for those you of you, right. for those of you here in the studio audience, again, Apologies. Uh, a lot of this, you know, it's a lot more physical this week. And, and but you get the benefit of seeing this. And let's unfold this and see. Well, Brad, barter band. Oh, barter, barter band. band. This early uh, in the program. I love it. 
never done before. It's it's no. it, it's never been done. No, it has I mean, not. This, is, this is like batting Babe Ruth first in a lineup. You are literally going out with your best hitter. And you know what? If he hits it out of the park, he hits it out of the park. Let's hope he does. Well, it's one run. It's not four. Well, no, but I mean, we'll take one at this point. At this point, we'll take what we can get. Uh, Barter band, Bronze Stevie. For those of you uh, playing the home game, Bronze Stevie award-winning segment, Barter Band. It has been uh, vetted and feted uh, throughout the U.S. and into Canada, Brad, and into Canada. Very excited about this. This week, Barter Band is brought to you by IPedia, the automation of innovation, taking care of all of your hot tub and patenting needs since 2018 uh brad this week barter band alec baldwin movies and i know you are a big movie fan big fan of alec baldwin i know you loved him on 30 rock you loved him in that movie with that guy and uh, i don't remember that one um but now apparently he's murdered a um assistant director on the set with a live gun so someone apparently handed alec baldwin a live gun on the set of his latest movie, Rust, which is, by the way, a terrible name for a movie. But we'll, but again, someone's dead. The director is injured. He's apparently shot the two people with the most power on the set. And now people are saying that potentially Alec Baldwin could have criminal liability, certainly civil liability. So the powers that be downtown who, again, you know, have said, look, we have to go with this whole, you know, pulling out stuff out of the, the bag um, they're, they're saying we should, we should opine on whether or not Alec Baldwin movies should be barred or banned. And then I guess the next question, Brad is should they have been barred or banned before this senseless murder? Well, let me get a couple of things straight here, buddy. Cause as you know, pop culture is not, you know, my wheelhouse. So is Alec Baldwin, the most famous Baldwin brother? Is he okay. the one that's on Saturday Night Live that does the Trump? Is that Alec Baldwin? So I, I knew you were going to ask this question. Good, good okay? man. Okay. So I've gone, I've done some research. Yeah. There are at least four Baldwins that we Sheesh, know of. Four. Okay. There's yeah. Alec Baldwin. He's the guy that killed the woman on the set. Uh-huh. Okay. There's Billy Baldwin, who I believe is a um, a, a preacher. There's Stephen Baldwin, who may be the preacher. One of them was on The Apprentice. I don't know. And then there's Baldwin Baldwin, which is the figure skater who I don't think is affiliated with the Baldwin family, even though he's got Baldwin. He's got to be affiliated with some Baldwin family. But not the one at issue. So we have Alec, Stevie, and Billy. Billy, yeah. Correct. And the most famous one, the one who was married to the woman who claimed to be Spanish of some sort, maybe Hispanic, but isn't, and played Trump on Saturday Night Live. That's Alec Baldwin. That's this that, one that we're talking about. That would be Alec Baldwin, correct? And he's okay. now the producer of this movie Rust, which is filming in the uh, in the uh, southeast uh, or southwest or somewhere in the United States. And apparently, he pulled a a gun out on the set as part of the film, as far as we know, and shot dead. Uh, a couple of the uh, folks who were working on the film. So, the, uh, yeah, I, I saw this, and at least the report that I saw, which was an early report, was that he had been handed what he was told was a prop, a stage handgun, and proceeded to fire it, thinking that that's what it was, and hit some poor gal who I, I believe was a cinematographer by trade, and then a guy who was either an assistant director or the director of the movie. And as, oh, and then this buddy is remarkably not uncommon. I mean, I know you and I remember when Bruce Lee's kid was killed, right? So first question I have is, is what the hell is going on? What do you need in the course of a movie to have, I guess, realism or whatever? Why does anything ever exit the barrel of a stage firearm, right? I know for, for me in my past life, carrying around weapons was a common thing you did. And the first thing you were taught was that you never, ever point that thing in the direction of anyone you don't intend to kill. Yeah. Right? It was just drilled into your head that you don't do that. And so it would be hard for me to, to even, I guess, be on a stage and do that because I'd be so anxious about that just because of the years I spent having that drilled into my head. 
But I, I don't get that, right? And, and so maybe we can discuss that. And secondly, if it wasn't a stage prop, if it was a live handgun, how do you not know that? Again, I realize my background, probably different from Alec Baldwin's, but the guy's been around for a while. I'm pretty damn sure if I picked up a live handgun, I could look at it and go, no, 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 this ain't no prop, right? Like this thing has actual rounds in it, feels like a live handgun, weighs the same as a live handgun. I'm taking a look at it. I'm not using this. How does any of that happen? So in fairness to your question, yes, Alec Baldwin movie should be mad just because before he picked up this weapon and, and, and fired it in the direction of hopefully not at this poor gal. Yes. Alec Baldwin movies should be banned. I mean, there are legitimately people out there saying that Baldwin should be prosecuted because he's like one of the producers of the movie. And that answers your question. What moron would back an Alec Baldwin movie these days, but it, it, it it's insane that we're still going through this, the, the, the this craziness. I mean, I get gritty realism. I get that. I love it when Pacino does his hua and, you know, all that other stuff. But uh, this seems to take it to another extreme. And I, you know, I'm going to disagree with you though. And very really? rarely, very rarely do we disagree, but the boys downtown have said you and I need a little more conflict on the set. I'm going to say barred. I'm going to say they need to bar all Alec Baldwin films. Oh, okay. As opposed to ban. Correct. We are the number one right now uh, business program. Yeah, bar none. And, or bad um, none, for that matter. Exactly. One of the things we try to do is get to the bottom of some of these extreme positions in society and how we should deal with them. And you and I have been struggling for the better part of six or seven years with what's more severe, a bar or a ban. And no one's been able to tell us. I mean, you can't swing a dead cat in this country without hitting six lawyers. And yet we've not gotten a definitive response as to which is the more permanent and most likely to prevent whatever you're barring or banning from happening. Again, we can't get an answer to that. Now we get some very lawyerly answers. So if you're a lawyer, put your pens down. We don't want another one of these where it says, well, you know, it depends on whether it's an action of a person or the action of a, of a business or, you know, whether it's statutory or not. Hey, listen, just answer the question, which is more severe, a barring or a banning, and then we can just go with it. Yeah, look, I, I completely agree. I, I, I think we have to figure it out. That's why we have teams of lawyers that are trying to figure this out, like as we speak. Um, and, you know, that's to be fair. I mean, some of those lawyers could be involved in the Alec Baldwin prosecution. We're going to throw this to the legal community, right? Uh, torts, writs, and jurisprudence. Well, I love a good tort. Yeah, no, I'll tell you what, some of those, some of those uh, uh, cherry tarts are good. They're oh. good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Danish too, but we're not going to go there. It's not, we, we didn't pull that out of the bag. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I'm enough. saying barred, you're saying banned. I think we'll let yeah. everyone sort it out, but, but look, this is something that I think we, uh, we have to keep, uh, keep an eye on because uh, uh, we could be at the end of the uh, long litany of uh, Alec Baldwin films. So I think no matter what, we have to be uh, grateful for that. Well, it's really too bad that if this film doesn't get made, that there's not going to be a film out there called Rust. Yeah. I mean, Rust. can you imagine? Where's the world going to go without a film named Rust? I mean, that makes me want to rush out and go to the theater right now, and the movie's not even done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ray Liotta was in it, and, and, but Ray Liotta hasn't made a good film since Goodfellas. Correct. Uh, let's reach back into the grab uh, bag here. Should I go? Yeah, please. All right. Let me dig in here. Bustle around in there. No, there's something that that's wet. Uh, okay, Ooh, hold yeah, on. Stay away hold from on. that. What is that? Can I can I have a wipe over here? Anyway, all right. Let's see, Brad. Uh, time machine. Oh boy, time machine. When was the last time we did time machine? Well, that's that's what this is. Almost like parchment paper that I'm pulling out here. This is. It's been a while. It's been right. a while. Uh, time machine again. Uh, one of our go-to segments. Some would call them iconic. Others would not. We have to set the square here. Listen, this is what we do. Time machine. It's where we pick a historical moment, sort of a pivot point in time. And what we do is we send Brad back because one, Brad is a little more durable than I am and more emotionally stable. Uh, and he can endure the, 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 the time space continuum. Uh, we send him back 
and he goes back in time and he brings some item with him. Okay. And he goes back to that pivot point in human history and he makes a decision, right? And the decision is to do something, not do something, reveal some sports score that's going to make one of our ancestors very wealthy. I, again, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but Brad, let's just, should we just dive in? We should. Now, I mean, as the studio audience knows, but perhaps our radio audience does not, I don't ever know where I'm going, right? And so that's always part of the excitement is that I'm prepared to go because I trust you and have for many years, but I don't know where I'm going. Correct. Or where he's been. Also correct when I'm not in some hotel. Yeah. Uh, so, Brad, uh, this week, uh, what we've got is a an old tried and true recipe for time travel, the JFK assassination. What I've got here on this sheet of paper that I pulled out of the bag of tricks uh, for the big Halloween uh, uh, festival uh, is JFK assassination. Brad goes back al fresco. And of course, that means similar to the way that the Terminator travels through time. Um, he lands on the grassy knoll eight minutes before the assassination. And in his hand, Brad has a four pack of the great malt beverage Zima, which is, by the way, uh, for those of you out there, very refreshing. It's something that came up a lot in the 80s. I know Iron Maiden um, enjoyed it quite a bit. And I believe, Brad, you and I went to a number of uh, big Iron Maiden shows where we were lubed up with some Zima. Well, obviously. I mean, you already said we went to an Iron Maiden show, and so the Zima part just naturally follows. It's intuitive. So I'm I'm going to, you know, as time travel unfortunately requires, wind up on the grassy knoll eight minutes before the assassination attempt, and I'm going to be al fresco. I mean, Brad, that's all correct. I, I think attempt is probably not the, you know, I mean, before the assassination. Well, it's an attempt at this point. I mean, it's eight minutes before it happens, right? For all we know, old, uh, help me out here. I can't remember the assassin's name. Uh, Lee, Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee Harvey you know, Oswald. It's a, it's a tough one. There you well, go. listen, Good. you know, I'm a middle-aged man. Things come naked. and go. You're, you're a middle-aged <laughs> man naked, naked I'm on, on the, the grassy knoll. I'm holding four malted beverage. I got things on my mind. Yeah. Ice cold, oh, yeah. by the way. Ice cold. Ice cold. Ice cold. Well, it's possible that, yeah. you know, old Lee Harvey sneezes or something. We don't know yet. But I've got eight minutes, buddy, which is anyone will tell you if you've ever been in the critical response business. Eight minutes is forever. Nothing takes eight minutes. It's a lifetime. And so a damn I lifetime. am going to spend the first bit of time here bartering with a local hobo or vagabond uh, for an overcoat with one of the Zimas, right? Because I'm not going to be able to effectively communicate with the president or his wife or the governor or his wife uh, if I'm al fresco. No one's going to talk to me. It's the 60s. I mean, that might be acceptable today in certain places, but not then, certainly not in Dallas. And so I'm going to have to get some form of covering. I think once my friends get a sip of Zima, I'll not only be able to come away with an overcoat, but a hat as well. Because again, remember, this is the 60s. Very common that men wear hats. I want to present myself as a gentleman. And so I will have on a coat and a hat. Now, the fact that I am barefoot is going to call you know, certain things into question, but I feel like I can keep eyes up by holding the Zima up around my head. Okay, So that's, that's step one. Step two is I'm going to have to take a Zima and use it as a distraction so that I can get more towards the front of the crowd, right? So I think what I probably do there is I shake the Zima up, put my thumb over it, just kind of spray it around like it's the end of, you know, the Indy 500 or some Formula One race or the end of the World Series. I just start spraying Zima around. So that's going to cause a distraction. People are going to be most likely upset unless they get a taste of the Zima, in which case they're going to be excited about this because obviously Zima hasn't been invented yet. So we're introducing them to the pleasures of the future, but it will create a crack of daylight there for me to get through so I can get towards the motorcade. Now, as most folks will recall, the Secret Service did not have quite the stringent approach to presidential motorcades at this point in time, because frankly, this point in time had not yet occurred. 
And so, you know, I'm going to be able to get pretty close to this motorcade, right? And so when I do, I'm simply going to step in front of the vehicle. This is going to cause some consternation, but I'm going to hand the president the Zima. Now, everybody knows JFK was a very- Wait, all, four, all four Zimas? All four? No, no, I've, already, I've already used two. I used one to barter for the hat and coat. So you're giving him one, one to Zima. get a crack he of daylight. One. And one. I get one, right? And so if yeah. you're going to hand somebody a beverage- First of all, you want to relieve the tension that this might be poisonous or explosive or something. So when he sees me holding one, I pop the top. I give it to him. He knows it was sealed before I gave it to him. I open my own. Are you so using he, an opener here? Opener or no? I'm just banging it on the side of the car. Just, you know, how you just kind of pull it down. It's oh, an okay. open top I like car. It. So I like it. I like top it. Yeah, comes yeah, right I off. You. I got you. I give it to the president. I keep one now. I mean, to be, to be honest, that's that's going to damage the paint job, but. Well, we got bigger fish to fry at this okay. point. I get and point. so, yeah. you know, now we're just a couple of gentlemen sharing a beverage, right? I got my hat on. I look, you know, like a 1960s gentleman. He has no hat on, unfortunately, uh, because that, uh, you know, obviously made his his head a much easier target to, to see. Um, so, you know, tip for the folks at home, if you think you might be being sniped, you want to obscure your silhouette, obscure your silhouette. Okay, so now back to the past. I hand the president the Zima. I hold on to my own. I say, Mr. President, no, please have a sip. He does. He's wowed, right? He's wowed. He hands it to the first lady. I mean, he's, again, a gentleman. I hand mine to the governor, right? Because now he's intrigued. He takes a sip. Wow is the only thing you can say to a Zima. Hands it to the first lady of the state of Texas. She enjoys it as well. Now we've built a little camaraderie, built a little trust. We've built a little community. And I lean in and I say, now don't look, Mr. President, because this will give it away. But in the book, depository, is it a depository? It's not a suppository for sure. Was it it's a, a rep repository? Re re de repository. Depository. Depository. Don't look back there. There's a gunman back there. But here's what I want you to do. And listen, there's plenty more Zima where that came from. I want you to lay down in the back of the limousine, all right? So Oswald is not really sure what's happening. He just knows that a man in a trench coat and a hat and bare feet is talking to the president who seems to be enjoying a beverage that his wife and his companion, the governor of the state of Texas, and his wife also seem to be enjoying. So this is giving him pause, right? This was not what he expected to see this morning. All of a sudden, the president begins to lay down. I open the trench coat in the general direction of the book depository. The equipment that is then visible throws Oswald completely off, right? Mm. I mean, you know, I mean, the guy's holding a rifle, but not like this. Mm. And that allows the limousine to escape from the shooting scene. Now, I don't, again, we don't know because, you know, this is obviously going to alter the past, which then alters the future, whether me saving the president's life turns out to be a good call in terms of American history. But if you look at our current administration, we can't have done worse, right? I mean, it would be impossible for it to be worse. So I feel pretty good about it. You're saying like a, you don't want to end up in like a thermonuclear war as a result of this, but well, you're willing to do it. You're to. willing to do it. You're willing to do it. Well, yeah, I'm saving a man's life. I mean, I, that, that, you know, I mean, that has to be taken into account. I don't know what happens to history. Maybe someone who's also done some time travel will be happy to chime in and let us know, but it is what it is. Well, God, I mean, can you imagine if JFK lived and had to watch Rust? No. See, that's what I'm sort of hoping is that yeah. by virtue of JFK at least completing his first term, the future is altered enough that we don't wind up with Alec Baldwin movies at all. Amen. Amen. From your lips, my friend. Go ahead, pull out uh, something out of the, the bag of tricks and hand it over here and let's see what we got next. All right, let me rummage around in here. That's pointy. You didn't tell me there was something pointy in there. Some sharp things in let there, Let me get this. Sharp. Yeah, so I need, I need to be a little more you know, gentle and circumspect. Here, let me take this out. It's oddly shaped. Here you go, buddy. Tell me what we got there. Oh, that's hot. Okay, let me see here. Let me open it up. But ladies and gentlemen of the audience, don't be concerned. It's smoking a little bit, but we'll take a look. Oh, Brad, asteroid update, asteroid update. Oh, nice. I've been wondering about this. And listen, this is one of the things that we want to spend more time on, right? Because 
listen, there, there's not a day that goes by where Brad and I aren't walking down Main Street with an ice cream cone in hand and uh, someone will stop us and say, hey, Brad, listen, uh, what advice can you give us for our small business planning purposes? What is it you can help us with? Um, and uh, what can you tell us about that major asteroid careening towards Earth? And listen, again, we pulled out of the bag of tricks. We're going to do it right now. Well, let's let, let nothing stop us. Let's go. We are, we are going to give the update right now, Brad. Uh, let's see. I've literally got a report from the folks at NASA. Um, yeah, the asteroid is still careening directly towards a collision course with Earth. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. There we go. Okay. Right. Well, there's Hey, listen, and for all of those out there who are asking for updates, you've got your update. We will uh, continue to, uh, uh, to update you uh, as events warrant. Yeah. So really, at this point, the only event that would warrant is if something moved the asteroid, because at this point, our fate is sealed. I mean, it hasn't got here yet, but it is coming. Now, it's like that film with the whole asteroid where we sent Bruce Willis. I mean, listen, we've, we've been down that road. Yeah. We, we just need to send Bruce Willis. I, I thought that given all of the unforeseen incidents that played themselves out in that movie, Armageddon, I believe, yeah. that Willis did a hell of a job. I mean, he had a lot of things he had to balance there. Had a prospective son-in-law. He had a crazy person. He had some, you know, <laughs> operator type. He didn't kill anyone on the set. So how about, he didn't kill how about anyone that? on the set, which Bruce Willis has never done, which is one of the reasons why he's one of both you and my favorite actors. Uh, and he very self-sacrificially solves the problem. So I, why Bruce Willis isn't on his way to this particular asteroid is a question yet to be answered. Uh, but certainly, I think he should be. We will listen. We'll we'll endeavor to continue to find out. But at this point, life as we know it will be over uh, about a year from now when that asteroid uh, collides with Earth. All right, fair enough. All right, next, Brad. Let's let's you know. Let's pull something else out here. Let's uh, let, let let's go ahead and do it. Let me uh, bag. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, th th listen. This is an interesting uh, topic that uh, you and I have not spent much time on lately. Do big tech companies? have too much power, and in particular, Facebook. And as you know, Facebook is going through a process where they have some whistleblowers who are outing some of their algorithms, outing some of their um, screening uh, capabilities, and uh, in particular, with respect to the biggest insurrection since uh, I think the Civil War, probably before that, um, but also just the way Facebook does business, manipulates people, um, and, and also companies like Google, right? I mean, these companies, their product is your information. I mean, don't forget it. This is something we tell people all the time. It's not like these folks have invented, you know, an iPhone like Apple has or, you know, like uh, like a the combustible engine or or the next great Keurig coffee machine. I mean, their their product is your data. Their product is what you're clicking on, your personal data, what you buy, etc. And so, um, I mean, look, that's uh, uh, that that it, it's a very unique aspect of how all these companies make their money. And I think you saw it this week with Facebook. You had the whistleblower come out. More documents have been released. There will be even more documents that come out. And um, look, I wouldn't want to be Facebook. I wouldn't want to be Twitter, uh, especially if you see a Republican Congress uh, come into fruition next year, because those companies are going to be heavily regulated. And on top of it, they're looking at pretty big tax bills under uh, Grandpa Joe. Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, and, and, you know, you and I certainly are not, you know, getting any recompense from this, I guess, mini advertisement. But if you have not watched the documentary, The Social Dilemma, that is the name of the documentary. It's for free. You can just Google that up. You will find it. Everybody should do that. I, I had my wife and my daughters sit down and take a look at it um, as if you listen to the show at all, you know, I do not do any social media. I don't, I, I don't understand the necessity of it. I don't want to hear, oh, it's a great way to keep in touch with your friends. Everybody has a freaking computer in their pocket, a hundred times as powerful as the computer that took men to the moon. You got plenty of ways you can keep, keep in touch with your friends without social media. It's crazy. Buddy, I know you don't do very much, if any of it at all yourself. You have fallen on the grenade on behalf of our business, which I appreciate. So you do have a LinkedIn account that you, you know, monitor again for business purposes, but that's, I think, it on your behalf. 
And I'm telling you, if you have not watched that documentary, you need to do it, right? I'm not going to tell you what to think about it. That's entirely up to you. But I think if you watch it, you will learn some things that you will find concerning and perhaps even startling about the way social media works. And at the end of it, it kind of boils down to what you've just said, is that what these companies are making money on, what they are using in order to maintain a business that is just raking in revenue, the likes of which you know you couldn't have even imagined 50 years ago, is all of your personal information that you are handing to them in exchange for being able to say, hey, I burnt my toast this morning, right? I mean, that is what is going on with social media, right? So that you can post a picture of your burnt toast and one of those emojis with the laughing tears coming out of your eyes in order for you to have that super necessary and satisfying opportunity, you are selling everything about yourself to these companies, right? So just let that sink in for a second. I know the toast is compelling, but I think you really need to look at what the trade is. Nobody does anything for free, right? So I hope that's not a spoiler for anybody out there. I hope I haven't broken any hearts. But if you think companies like Google, like Amazon, like Facebook, like Twitter, like the InstaFet, whatever those things are, if you think they're providing quote unquote free services, you, my friend, are a sucker. They are doing none of that for free. You are giving them data about yourself. And if you've ever been troubled by the fact that, you know, you make a phone call and talk to somebody about, you know, how much you wish you had a cheesecake. And the next thing you know, you've got advertisements on your laptop about cheesecake. That didn't happen on accident. Okay. That does not happen on accident. And the computer is not doing it. Right. I mean, the computer doesn't hate you. It doesn't like you. It's an inanimate object. It's doing what it's been programmed to do. And then the cheesecake too. the cheesecake. It's not the cheesecake's fault. Okay. It's no, no. no. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to blame cheesecake for things. Yeah. Like blocked arteries. Like the fact that you haven't taken a dump in a week. All of that can be laid at the feet of the cheesecake, but not this. Right. And so from my perspective, buddy, and I'm anxious to hear yours from my perspective, nothing could be better than these social media companies being actually called into account and for the truth about what is happening there to get out into more people's hands. I mean, it's not like you can't get it today. Again, the social dilemma, check that documentary out. You'll like it is out there, right? So it's not like you can't get it, but obviously these companies are are trying their best to sort of keep that under wraps. And let me tell you, it will just be eye-opening for you. And you may begin to decide that perhaps you don't need to post the picture of your burnt toast as much as you thought you did going forward. Now, some things, you know, I mean, the trade-off may be worth it, right? I mean, you look at something like the the automated maps uh, applications that Google, Apple put out there that allows you to navigate in places you've never been before, know where traffic is, know where traffic lights are, know if there's a cop. I mean, all of that, in exchange for that, you are telling them where you are. Right. And, and how fast you're going and all those sorts of things. And yeah. you may decide that that's a worthwhile trade. And maybe it is. And so I'm not saying all of this should go away, but the social media stuff people need to take a look at. Well, it doesn't make any sense because, I mean, what was nice about the 70s and again, a lot of people want to attack the bell 70s. bottoms. Let me tell you that bell, bell bottoms. But what was nice about the 70s is, you know, you had your 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 network was maybe five to ten people. OK, yeah. And the 80s, maybe, maybe seven to 14. I don't know. But um, now it's just, you know, you're judged. People are judged by how many people are in their network, how many people like their picture of the burnt toast or the devil eggs they made for the holidays or the new puppy they got. Or the, but it's like the reality is it's, it's, it is a venue for gold-plated phonies okay so all the oh my god beautiful baby oh look good lord that you did such a good job with that toast oh oh did you enjoy did you enjoy going out trick-or-treating with your nephews no of course you didn't and yet you put the photo up anyway because it's just a it's just a way to be like overly gratuitous with the whole you know look at me thing and then the people who are going to top you are the people that are going to come in with the thumbs up emoji or the big apple emoji or the big 
you know, hello, look at me, what a good job. And, and then the best people are the people that pray online, right? That, that, that just spout out prayer, um, obviously patting themselves on the back, but it's, it, it, it really is, it really is egregious, egregious. And the whole time, Brad, the whole time, uh, all these companies are just building a database with information about you to sell you stuff. Again, I, I am anxious to see this kind of dragged out into the light, right? Especially if you have, you know, teenage kids at home, you, you need to tune in to what's going on there, right? Because if you look at suicide rates, if you look at depression rates, all of that among teenagers, it's all tied back to social media. I mean, you're literally being required to report on all the things you've done in order to be in the cool group. And then you're just made fun of again and again online by some jackass you don't even know. And it's just, it's devastatingly bad. Well, listen, that was very poignant. I liked it. I think, I think we'll leave it at that. And uh, look, they do have too much power. They need to be curtailed. And I think if they don't do it themselves, it's going to happen in the next, uh, in the next, uh, in the next Congress, Brad, let's reach back into the uh, grab bag of fun. Again, there are tricks. There are some treats, nice. but we haven't really found any yet. Um, here, I'll, if you might, I'll, I'll go again. Yeah, please. Okay. Oh no, wait, that's time travel. I'm sending you back to the Lincoln assassination. Let me get rid of that one. Let me go back in. Cause if you go back and save Lincoln, then that could bring Alec Baldwin back into prominence. We can't even, we can't risk that. No. Uh, next, Brad, we have uh, more uh, data on the Fed. And as you recall, a couple weeks oh, ago, that's a couple, right. yes. a couple of the governor, the governors of the, why do they call them the Fed governors? The governors of the Fed had to resign. Hello, they were, hello, governor. I'm day trading today. I'm going to go day trade on my decisions about the economy. Uh, anyway, uh, Brad, we just found out that the chairman of the Fed, who is up for renomination from your favorite, uh, Papa Joe uh, Biden, um, he traded over or sold over $1 million in stock right before uh, right before um, some of the COVID uh, um, regulations hit that he was uh, part of uh, negotiating. So it looks like this whole thing with the Fed governors is not, is not limited to the governors. It also goes all the way to the top. And um, why any of these people are allowed to trade in stock is beyond me, is beyond me. Well, buddy, we've learned two important things here that I didn't know. One, that the chairman was also trading in stock and making himself a cool million, leveraging the rest of us who had no idea what was going to happen. And two, that apparently a chairman outranks a governor. Now, see, I would not naturally have said that, but based on your description, there are a multiplicity of governors, but only one chairman. That's correct. So, you know, if you're playing like chess, you can take out a governor with your chairman. Right now, the chess podcast is a different thing. We'll get to that later. But I like, so for instance, I did not know that, right? In fact, I would have said before that, that if you had a chairman in front of you and a governor, that the governor was probably the ranking person in the room. But at least with the Fed, that turns out not to be true. So that we have learned. That's good stuff. And secondly, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, buddy, I, I think, and this is just, again, another you know, sort of dark comment on where we are culturally and socially today is the reason I think there previously were not regulations telling the governors and the chairman that they couldn't trade in stocks on insider information that they had because they happened to be members of the Fed so that they wouldn't be screwing the rest of us over. I think that would just kind of went without saying for the larger portion of this country's history, right? Like, I, I again, I don't want to paint the past in two rose-colored glasses. I realize there was all kinds of graft and fraud and whatnot in the past as well. But I suspect an answer to the question of, well, why isn't there regulation about this, that someone would answer, well, geez, you know, I mean, we just, we honestly just never thought anybody could be that big of a douche yeah. that they would use this position to their personal advantage and screw everybody else. But you know what, buddy, where we are today, turns out, that's not true. Lots of douches running around. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I agree. I mean, I, again, I don't think any member of the federal government, uh, certainly not anyone in any type of 
decision-making capacity should be trading stock. Okay. It should go into a blind trust. You put it in when you go, you, 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 you go in and you pull it out when you go out and that's it. And the fact that it's not like that is insane. And, you know, that, that's one of the things that people on both sides are sort of saying is that, you know, that, that, that's an idea they'd like to talk about. The problem is no one does it. No one does it, but uh, you know, again, well, it's like term limits, right? I mean, everybody's all for that until they get in and then there's, you know, always, oh, well, we should, you know, wouldn't, you know, what's all this problem term limits and there's, you know, blah, 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 home from, 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 but nobody ever does it. Yeah. Well, Cincinnati did it. He went back to the plow. But you know what? That's a good point. I stand corrected. Uh, George Washington did it. He left after two terms. He did indeed. He had cherry FD- trees to chop down. Uh, FDR. Well, actually, no, he died in office after his uh, fourth uh, reelection. See, that's yeah. that's where the, the whole thing, the, the chain breaks. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, buddy, it's it's sad. It's depressing. And perhaps even more depressing. It's not surprising. It's, it's not surprising. Brad, Brad, I think we have time for one more grab in the old bag before we have to take a break. Let's do it. Um, you want to go ahead and do the honors? Yeah, let me dive in there. I'm, I'm going to be a little more cautious this time as I severely lacerated my hand going in last time. But now I have a Kevlar mitt. I'm just going to reach in here. Oh, look at this one right here on top. Here you go, my well, that's, friend. That's, that's a cute one. And yeah. what does that mean? I got you, babe, is written on top of it. Hmm. Well, I, I appreciate you. you saying that. You do Let's have open me. this up. Well, I didn't write that, but let's open it up. Oh, all right. I got you, babe. Oh, oh, a, an intellectual property dispute between Cher and the widow of Sonny Bono, where Cher is suing Sonny Bono's ex named Mary, who actually, when he, so when Sonny Bono died on the ski slopes of Aspen or wherever, Tahoe, um, he was a congressman uh, from California Mm -hmm. and his wife, Mary, then became the congressman woman from that uh, that district. And now apparently the uh, royalties from Sonny and Cher's uh, album, um, Portfolio, whatever you call it, uh, have uh, have led to a dispute between the two women. Love has no wrath like a woman scorned. I think I think that was Chaucer who said that. Somebody, anyway, Brad, yeah. not important. Yeah. Um, but again, it seems like there's a dispute between Cher and Mary Bono, the widow of, of Sonny, over those uh, those songs, I got you, babe. Tie a yellow ribbon around, around the old. I think that's someone else. But knock three times. That was Tony Orlando and Dawn. I'm not sure how they how they play into. I this. see. I thought that was Captain and Tennille. I, I get all of these couples mixed up. No, Captain and Tennille were Muskrat Love. Oh, that's right. You know who know that? The Coxman. Yeah. Well, he's not available right now. But no, uh, unfortunately, I mean, Captain and Tennille were a great. Uh, great he, he just recently Tony Dragon, I believe his name was, recently died. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. too bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess here it is. We got a dispute between uh, Bono and Cher. One name. I mean, that's right. when you're really famous, by the way. Right. Just like if, if Brad. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't know that most people would immediately think of me uh, with that name. Most people, frankly, think of a small nail when you reference the term Brad. Uh, but I appreciate uh, the vote of confidence there, my friend. I, here's my question. These songs, buddy, they predate like you and I, right? Or pretty close to it. No, they're seventies. Some of them, I got you, babe. Is a seventies hit. I mean, okay. you were you were probably fifteen, sixteen when uh, I was. I was well into wearing uh, Pampers, which had recently come out. My parents are very excited to switch from the uh, you know cotton diaper to the Pampers. So I think that's probably about where I was. But my point is this: Why is it just coming up? Now, what what was the you know little causative factor that turned this into a dispute? Now, one would have thought that this would have been resolved years and years and years ago. Well, I, from what I gather from this little piece of paper you handed me, um, basically what happened is uh, Sonny's wife stopped paying share. Ah, well, that'll do it. That will do it. That will do it. I wonder how Cher feels about the, maybe they could settle this, right? So maybe Mary Bono says, look, we'll give you, oh, I don't know, 
100% of the royalties. But in order to achieve that, you have to go and be an extra on the movie Rust for two weeks. Now, see, if you're Mary Bono, that's good, solid thinking, or at least it would have been a week ago. But now even Cher, you know, who is not known, you know, for bringing the potato salad to the Mensa picnic, if you know what I'm saying, is unlikely to take that deal. Yeah, it's too late. It's too late. But listen, we'll keep monitoring it, Brad. We'll keep monitoring it again. Um, This is important stuff. So we don't want to give it short shrift. And we've got one more segment to go here today. Buddy, what, what do we got? We got to get back into the grab bag and round this thing out. Take it past the quarter post as strongly as we have done the first section of the lap. No, I look, I totally agree. Shoulder deep, I think, Brad. We have to go deep into the bag. Find out. What, let me let me grab onto your belt and go you ahead. just really get in there. All right. Do not lose right. me in that bag. I will, I will not. not. I've got two hands on this very sturdy belt. Dive in. All right. I'm almost okay. All right, let's see what we have oh, here. Oh, what do you got there? That clearly came from the bottom of the back. Let's see what we have here. Um, Brad, Royal Report. This is something ah, we, haven't, we haven't done in a while. Nice. I mean, yes. and listen, for those of you on CRN radio, you know that Brad is one of the biggest fans of the royal family. Megxit literally literally broke his heart. Okay. The whole Diana Charles breakup killed him, and the Diana. Listen, listen, he'll never recover from the whole Diana car wreck thing. Um, so we do a royal report every once in a while when there's something to report. I mean, we've been focused a lot on the Prince Andrew sex trade um, uh, issues. Uh, and, and, and also Megxit. Is it important? Uh, it's important to Brad. So it's important to me. But this week, Brad, uh, apparently Queen Elizabeth is no longer no longer. I mean, she, I think she's what about a hundred and what is she? One hundred and fifteen, one hundred and sixteen. She's no longer, and her and her husband of ninety nine years, Prince Philip, passed away last year. They were about to celebrate their hundredth wedding anniversary when he passed away. I believe he was killed, gored by like a, a deer on a hunt. Anyway, um, she is no longer going to do solo royal events. No longer going to do solo royal events um again she lost her husband of 99 years megxit has happened where the the son has been he's moved over to i believe the malibu the boo um brad how does what do you think about this what's your reaction to this should she um curtail her public events or should she just push forward well listen i mean she's she's 115 years old she's a day she's been out there swinging it for lifetimes of yes. average people. Correct. And so, you know, if she wants to, to pump the brakes a little, God bless her. And she is the feistiest little hat wearing thing you're ever going to find. And if, again, she wants to pump the brakes, then I am all for it. I don't know a lot about the Royal family, but I do know that Prince William flies a rescue helicopter. That is a man's job. He still does it. And so I have some respect for him, I think, based solely on that, the fact that he goes out in public balding, which means, you know, he's got some confidence. What does he care? He's got a good looking wife. He's got three apparently well-behaved kids. I think he is in a position to take that family into the next, you know, generation. Skip. What's his name? Charles. Skip that dude. He's a man. It's Prince Charles. Let's just get rid of him. Let's go right to William. He seems like a regular guy. Seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. If there is any justice at all, the initial piece of the asteroid hurtling towards Earth will hit those other two right in the head before it hits anybody else. That will make me happy. And beyond that, I just have no further opinion. Well, I, I think, Brad, there are a couple of things that our viewers want to know. So, again, when we are, you and I, separately or together, walking down Main Street with a, with a Sunday or with a, a, a bag of hot nuts, um, we are, I am often asked about the fact that, listen, we know Brad loves the Royals. What is the one thing, what is the one thing you know about Brad and his infatuation with this dynasty that you can tell us? And, Brad, I know... I know you don't 
want me to, to, to divulge this, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You know why? No. Because people want to hear it. And that's oh. what's important to our listeners. So Brad is a big fan of the Royals. We know that. And, you know, in the 80s, Brad, when when a lot of a lot of the guys would have a Farrah Fawcett Majors um, poster again, Farrah Fawcett, when she was married to Lee Majors, the six million dollar man, mm-hmm. also the fall guy, also the fall guy mm-hmm. overlooked, mm-hmm. overlooked yeah, or, Heather, or Heather Thomas. There was some Heather Thomas. Nobody overlooked Heather Thomas, my friend. No one Nobody. overlooked. So often I would go over to Brad's house. He was a lot older than me, 15, 20 years. But I would go over and just to visit, like for a visit, you know. And uh, I'd go over to his house and you know, we'd go up and we'd, we'd play um, uh, some some form of muckle, which I would inevitably win. And uh, I'd look on his wall and Brad had two posters on his wall. Now, again, I had Heather Thomas. I had a Heather Locklear and I had Farrah Far- Far- Fawcett, the majors. Um, Brad had one of Queen Elizabeth and the other was the lovely and talented Camilla Parker Bowles, who is now the wife of Prince Charles. So, Brad, anything else you want? That wasn't keep- Camilla Parker Bowles, you dope. That was Seabiscuit. Was that really? I Seabiscuit? love that horse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen, that would explain the big, the big, uh, the big horseshoe of roses. Yes, no one gives roses to Camilla Parker. What's her name? Anyway, Brad, let's go back into the grab bag to see what we have here. Um, if you don't mind, I'll go back in. Okay. Are you need uh, to grab the belt, or you're right. No, no, no. I got it. I got it. I got it. So Chicago, the city or the band. No, the, well, the band is, <laughs> we're not talking about that, though. The city, once again, cutting edge of wokeness, Brad, as you know, last week we talked a lot about the fact that they fired, I believe it was a ton of unpaid volunteers because they weren't diverse enough. Yeah. So, so then they had to shut, down, sense. shut yeah. down the museum. This week, uh, there's a pivot going on. One of the great cities in uh, our country, I mean, huge city. Um, a lot of historical significance. It's where Abraham Lincoln was nominated for president in 1860, a really important city. Um, they have uh, decided to pivot from firing those unpaid volunteers because they well, fired them all. And uh, now the yeah. Chicago City Council backed up by their mayor, Lori Lightfoot, who I believe, Brad, was Miss America 2015. I'm not sure. But again, I'm not don't need to go down that road. They have uh, decided to pivot and they have voted to guarantee a um, basic income program uh, from city revenues for up to 5,000 low income households, where they're going to be giving them $500 per week using federal funding from COVID. Um, so again, the Wizards of Woke in, uh, in Chicago, um, I believe some of these people will probably be some of those unpaid volunteers that they fired. Um, but what do you think, Brad, the minimum, um, uh, income, no work requirement whatsoever. Uh, good idea. No, it's a terrible idea. I mean, the, the, I mean again, I, I, but having said that I am a hundred percent for it, right? Because the only way out of this tunnel of wokeness into which we have driven the country is to get all the way through it. And, and I firmly believe that we can do it, but we ha- we're going to have to go through it, right? It's going to have to, because everybody is concerned solely with virtue signaling, right? I mean, no one cares about reality. No one cares about the facts. No one cares about what's best for the country. No one cares about what's best for any given state, any given community, any given household. No one cares about any of that. All they care about is virtue signaling, right? And so- in order to drive through and get to the far end of this tunnel where we need to get, we have to go through this process and let it prove itself to just be completely ridiculous and unworkable, right? Because if you were to stand on the street corner and say, hey, giving away free money is ridiculous and unworkable, you're not doing anyone any favors. There's a book out there called When Helping Hurts, read it if you don't trust me and you probably shouldn't. But there are smart people out there who know these things. You can is read that, that the, book. So, Brad, is that the biography of Greg the Hammer Valentine, or is that a different book? No, that's a different book. But I okay. recommend that one as well. And okay. so, uh, it is. It's not going to work. 
the city is already on the edge of bankruptcy. They, the, the mayor, God bless her, put out a request, I think it was last week, through a system they have in Illinois that is supposed to be used for crises, right? So maybe most states have a system like this, I don't know. But if you're a community, a municipality, you know, within the state of Illinois, and you have a crisis on your hands, right? It could be uh, of a natural making, could be of a man-made making, but your emergency services are overwhelmed, you can put out an alert and a request through the system to say, hey, you know, down here in, you know, East Puckaluck, we don't have enough sheriff's deputies to handle what we got. Surrounding communities, you know, please send help. And then they can do that. So your gal Lightfoot put out a request whoa, on whoa, that. Whoa, 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 not saying, my gal. No, not my oh, gal. Well, I think no, so, buddy. No, yeah, no. I mean, you were a big fan of hers when she was running for Miss America, as I recall. Mm-hmm. I mean, based on the poster. That's true. But it's neither here nor there. Point being, she put out this alert requesting that other municipalities send police officers to Chicago because she was already planning on letting the ones that hadn't been vaccinated go on to unpaid leave status. And suddenly, I mean, someone must have like tapped her on the shoulder and said, hey, Miss Mayor, um, we sort of need the cops. We've already got an alarmingly massive increase in violent crime in the city this year. And letting, you know, I think it was 35% of the officers go uh, was probably not a good idea or putting them on unpaid leave. And so instead of reconsidering that and saying, "Mm, maybe there's a better way to go here. Instead, she backs not one inch away from that decision, but then turns around and asks the surrounding communities, hey, could you send some cops up here? Because we have an emergency because we don't have enough. And oh, by the way, I don't care if those cops are vaccinated. Right. I'm going to put on unpaid leave my cops that are unvaccinated. You can send all your unvaccinated cops up here if you would be so kind, because we're going to need them. And so, I mean, she's doubly a hypocrite when it comes to this situation. As a leader, why would I put my people under your authority? Right. Can you imagine being a cop from some reasonably led department someplace in Illinois that suddenly gets put under the authority of Lori Lightfoot, and then God forbid you have to take some sort of enforcement action, you might as well just hang yourself, right? And so it's just amazing the amount of hypocrisy that comes out of this wokeness, particularly in a place like Chicago. But again, as counterintuitive as it may seem, my take on this is that we should just let it go. Let her keep doing this stuff because it is the only way that people will come to what is otherwise you would seem would think would be self-evident would come to the realization that it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, I listen, we'll see what I can tell you is um, you see things like this, this craziness, and you get a lot more comfortable with Texas and Florida being sort of a firewall, right? For those of us who still have like some lick of common sense, uh, with respect to any of this stuff, right? Any of this stuff. And I'll tell you this, Brad, another thing to look at, and this is something, it's not in the grab bag of woke or whatever this bag is that is sitting in front of us, um, but we're going to see a couple of big elections. I mean, typically the bellwether elections one year out from a, um, after a presidential year are the governor, governor elections in Virginia and, uh, uh, New Jersey. And right now it looks like New Jersey, the incumbent's probably going to win. It's a lot closer than people thought, but Virginia, it's, it's pretty much tied between the Democrat who was way ahead and the Republican who was running against all this craziness, right? The mandates and the lectures and, um, you know, the, 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 the critical race theory. And so I, I right now, I don't know where that's going to turn out, but I mean, if, if the Republican wins in Virginia um, and if the Republican is competitive in New Jersey, I think voters at that point are starting to say enough. And it's it's not like you have to live in Chicago to um, rebel against this stuff. Right. I mean, it's happening everywhere. And what 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 people can do is, is sort of take you know, their vote and, and go and, 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 and actually use it in one of these other elections where the same stuff type of stuff is being projected on us. Uh, and, you know, today's Chicago is, is tomorrow's 
um, Newport News, Virginia, or Atlanta, Georgia, or Tallahassee, Florida. And so at some point, there has to be a firewall. And I think we're going to see that in the next uh, next couple of weeks. Well, buddy, let's hope so. I mean, again, some famous person once said all politics is local, and that is true. And one of the things that, you know, for better or for worse, in a democracy, we get what we deserve, right? We get what we vote for. So I realized that in the last election cycle, there were a lot of reasons to vote for someone you probably didn't really want to vote for because you were more voting against someone. I get all that. I don't necessarily even fault that, right? But my advice here, or at least my recommendation, is look back on that, see if you got what you wanted, and if you didn't, start looking around for a candidate you can actually vote for. Probably won't be anybody from the past, but let's look towards the future, find someone we can actually get behind and vote for. And look, if there's one thing that the pandemic told us or taught us, it's that local politics matters. Like how many of you knew who your county public health officials were before they started forcing you to wear masks and stay inside your house? I'll bet you know it. I certainly didn't, but I do now. And when those elections roll around, right? County managers, city managers, the mayor, et cetera. This brother is paying attention. That's right. That's right. And I'll tell you what, Brad, this has been a great, uh, a great episode. And uh, the, um, the, the bag of uh, the bag of tricks and treats has really sort of um, helped us, I think, to work through some of the wokeness. I think we've done a great job and uh, you know, we really appreciate y'all listening and we'll welcome you back next week on another episode of IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.